For me, I think a voice and a song in particular carries with it a human experience at its simplest and often its rawest. Music has always been a vehicle for the spirit of people, the spirit of the times and the stories of people. And where we believe those stories, that's empathy in action. And that's where action can begin. Hi, I'm Hosier and this is Cry Power. My podcast about people who are using what's available to them to change the world. Presented with our friends at Global Citizen, on each episode I'll be sitting down with people who are putting themselves out there to support a cause that's dear to them. I'll be talking to people whose work is making a real difference. Musicians, artists, or just some of my heroes. It is an absolute honor to introduce my first guest, someone who has achieved incredible success in their field someone who has been awarded eight Brit Awards and been dubbed the Brit's Champion of Champions, has received a Golden Globe Award and no less than four Grammys, has countless hits to their name and is responsible for helping shape genre and era-defining sounds. Not only that, we are talking about somebody who runs their own movement for gender equality called The Circle and has even been awarded an OBE for her humanitarian work, including the fight against HIV and AIDS. Annie Lennox, thank you so much for joining me. I am very, very happy to be here and I am delighted to see you and to have a chance to to have this conversation with you today. Uh, the last time we were together, mm-hmm. Andrew, because I like to call you Andrew. Yeah, please do. That's please okay. Do. Absolutely. Most of the world know you as Hosier, mm-hmm. but I think Andrew's a very nice name. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Are you okay with that? I've, I've, grown, <laughs> I've, grown to, I've grown to be okay with it. I've, I've, yeah, no, absolutely. Why yeah. do you prefer Hosier? I actually prefer Andrew. I, I would never introduce myself cool. as Hosier, yeah. Okay, yeah. so. Personally, anyway, yeah. So it's a real pleasure to see you again. Yeah, you too. And the last time that we got together was in, in America, mm-hmm. and it was a bit of a whirlwind, wasn't it? Because we just, we were, we were told we were going to do this song together, and then we were rehearsing in the hotel room, remember? Yeah, yeah. In Los Angeles. I do indeed, actually, I do. Yeah, it was very glamorous. It was indeed, yeah. And that, that was all, I was green as the grass at the time, I mean, in, in, in a lot of ways. But yeah, definitely, I remember rolling up to the, I think it was the Chateau Marmont. That's and, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's an intimidating, intimidating. I thought it might, I thought it might be an odd one for you. And I was thinking, God, we've never met each other before. And I didn't know if this notion of doing a duet together would, would appeal to you. But I, mm. I very much leapt at the chance. Yeah, I, I didn't think I didn't think I had I would have clocked on on your radar at all. So it was a little bit intimidating. But I have to say, like at first, but you were incredibly, incredibly supportive. And also, we it was maybe one or two you know conversations that we had. I, I found uh, you were very very supportive, and I think you offered a, a lot of words of comfort and, and advice as well too, which I found incredibly helpful. Well, what I found in you, to be honest, is that I. I know you to be the real deal artist. I recognise that. So that that not only are you a phenomenal singer, uh, but you're a bard, you're a songwriter with 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 a, a need to communicate to people and a phenomenal guitar player and a musician all around. So that to to meet someone who's a stranger, but already you have these component parts. You know, it it meant that we've got we have some a lot in common actually. Yeah, yeah, I I would I would I would think I would think so, and and uh, well, thank you. I mean, that's 
ridiculous, ridiculous praise. There's no, there's no higher praise than, than yourself. Thank you very much. But yeah, for me, I would have, you know, removed a limb to, 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 to. Oh, that would not have been necessary. It wouldn't have been necessary, maybe. <laughs> but I have to say, it was, it was an absolute oh. pleasure, and 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 also to to work uh, to to stand on stage beside somebody with the kind of the. The, the legacy of what you've contributed to popular music as well too like I, I don't know if it's something that you kind of hold quite lightly wear, wear it lightly but uh, the, the landscape of pop music is still shaped by your work um, it's I do music. hold it lightly yeah. I hold it lightly on the one hand and yet on the other hand it is part of um, music is so much of did you just say the word landscape you did it's a landscape it's an interior landscape for me as well as being an exterior one and a whole history with music you know and um, and it's, it has shaped my life. And, um, and, and music is always regenerating itself, I find, constantly. That's the thing. It's, I always knew that music defines change mm-hmm. in yeah. a way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, very much so. As yeah. well as being the accompaniment to, to people's lives, mm-hmm. it actually defines uh, the times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. kind of... It's a, it's, a, it's a real vehicle for the, for the zeitgeist in a lot of ways. Exactly, and, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, this is a really unusual thing, and I, and I think it's great. Um, and I think it's a testament to you that uh, Global Citizen have asked you to um, host a series of uh, conversations with people. I'm going to be the first. I've asked them about this. They say I'm the first. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really honoured to be the first person to talk and and I'm excited to to have you ask me questions. No, thank you. No, it's a it's a pleasure. Mm. Thank you so much. Um, and I'll ask you a few questions as please, well. Please, please do. Yeah, please do. No, it is it is an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much again for for sitting down. First and kind of foremost, um, I was hoping to ask you how you got into or what what's you know what spurred you into activism in the first place. There are so many little things, little aha moments throughout my life that made me aware. Um, as a young girl coming from the northeast of Scotland, my parents and my grandparents were actually social activists. Okay. Yeah. In that period from the end of the First World War and just before the first Second World War began, the, there was the rise of fascism on the streets. And my, my grandparents were young working class um, workers. And, but they went out in Aberdeen, where I come from, to fight fascism at the factory gates. And so I was, you know, they printed out leaflets and handed things out and they were very, very active. My grand, I think, I believe my grandfather was actually um, imprisoned on on one occasion. There was a big fight got up uh, in the streets of Aberdeen (laughs) between the fascists and the sort of socialist uh, uprising, you know. It's it's very interesting. That's amazing. So it is, you know, activism is a a family thing Mm -hmm. for me. And um, also that, that sense of disparity and injustice is something that I've always felt, uh, even when I was a very young girl, as I said, not only because my, my on one side of my family there was an activist uh, thread, but also just because of that empathy. I think when you have empathy for others and you see injustice, you feel um, very um, hurt by it. And I, there's a pain that comes with that. And that pain must be expressed in, in some way. For me, um, I, I never wrote activist songs, but I always felt this, um, yeah, this discomfiture about, um, how can I say, is it, it's the expression of the internal world, the expression of the soul, the expression of the intellect. 
and the connection that you are seeking as the as an artist to engage with your audience and to bring them on your journey, you know, and to waken up the parts of them that may be asleep or that may want to be connected with. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I was born in 1954. Mm-hmm. So the civil rights movement was bur- burgeoning yeah. in America mm-hmm. and um, there was still segregation in, in America at that time. So musicians of colour had to use different, as we know as musicians, they weren't allowed to perform in this, um, to come through the same hotels, doors, or use the same restrooms. Yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, it's yeah. it's just mind-boggling, really. And I was very um, affected by the notion of apartheid in, in South, South Africa. Uh, that really um, had a tremendous impact on me. And actually, when it came to the point where Eurythmics were actually up and running, we were part of the Rock Against Racism uh, uh, kind of collaboration that yeah. took part and we performed uh, for Nelson Mandela's birthday celebrations when he turned 75, was still incarcerated in Robben Island. And this was just before, as a f- quite a few years before apartheid was over, overcome, but that concert definitely contributed to raising awareness about the apartheid movement and the and the... And the injustices of apartheid and the young generation at that point uh, all sort of seemed to be in agreement that apartheid needed to be done away with everywhere around the globe so that that movement there um, helped to contribute to the tipping point and it was no question about it that you know apartheid should never exist anywhere in any country of the world and then I watched the follow-on from that was um, watching the Berlin Wall come down and uh, the sort of end of the Cold War, the, you know, that, that period where there was the Iron Curtain and a huge, huge divide between the Western world and the Soviet Union at the time. But even, I suppose, what's what's interesting, I mean, as world political events go, these are, you know, two huge... Um, they certainly huge, were. Huge upheavals of yeah, kind of... they were hugely significant historical events. Ultimately, you know, a very interesting time of, of human action actually coming to fruition. Actually coming into fruition, fruition. Yeah. exactly. And one felt like, wow. And as Mandela actually said, we must have hope over despair. And I think we are living in times that are very, very confusing and very, very polarising mm-hmm. and that it is hard for us, all of us, to feel hopeful mm-hmm. um, when one sees uh, such negativity everywhere and you start to feel, wow, even when I think back on those tremendous steps forward, sometimes humanity takes several steps forward and several steps back at yeah. the same time. Yeah. So uh, I absolutely think that there are some remarkable songs uh, and performances now, mm-hmm. and uh, to name one would be Childish Gambino. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, what's the song called? This is not America. This, this is this America. is America. Yes, yeah, this so I'm thinking of the David Bowie song. This yes. is not America. <laughs> yeah. Childish Gambino's "This Is America." Mm-hmm. But seeing his video and listening to that song was a revelation for me. And I, I can tell you that I had goosebumps watching it because mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my God, this is the this is the another wave of civil rights yeah. now mm-hmm. activist." kind of waking people up showing the mirror Mm -hmm. back to the general kind of American and the world Mm -hmm. not just the American public and the world Mm -hmm. uh, in the fresh new generation way of saying this is where we're at right now and it seemed to sum everything up in a genius way yeah it was quite 
it's 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 a it's an arresting it's, piece of work. Yeah, it really. Is. You, yeah. you think? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And talk, I suppose talk about it, a, a, a song being a vehicle for the zeitgeist or being a, a signal booster for for the times, you know, and for and for the sentiment <sighs> of the people. Yeah, it's it's a and some. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is amazing. <laughs> Crowd Power podcast will explore the UN's 17 Global Goals, a series of objectives that aims to end extreme poverty, reduce inequality, and tackle climate change by 2030. Today's show focuses on global goal number five, total gender equality. As people would know, I am very pro-feminist, which to me, that means one thing, that men and women are equal in every single way. That equality with regards economic opportunities and education is achievable and should be fought for. To take action on any of these issues we talk about on the show, go to globalcitizen.org slash crypower and get involved. Also that upbringing which informed your, your ethos and informed your sense of empathy and uh, how, is, how did that lead you to, to founding the circle? Oh, it's a long journey. Okay. Shall we, it's, you, you prepared for a long story. I love a long story. Okay, a long story. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try and keep it succinct. Okay. Um, well, you know, I've been involved with different organisations over the years, in Amnesty International, in Greenpeace. Um, but the one, uh, well, and Comic Relief, I must, I must admit, my experiences with Comic Relief have been extraordinary. But there was one catalyzing moment when... Um, I was invited to go and perform for the um, for the launch concert in Cape Town for Nelson Mandela's HIV/AIDS organisation, four double six six four, which was um, actually Mandela's for- former prison number while he was um, incarcerated in Robben Island. And I took part in that concert, and there were some incredible artists there: uh, uh, Beyonce, Yusuna Dour. Bono was there, Peter Gabriel was there. And so it was an incredible event. And um, Mandela took us to Robben Island the day before the concert. And um, and he gave a press conference to the world. And he was talking about um, the HIV AIDS pandemic as it, as it was playing out in Southern Africa, where they had the highest incidence of the virus. And it was particularly affecting women and um, girls. And as a mother and a woman myself, I was shocked, you know, because he described it as a genocide. And I thought, hang on a minute, I'm you know, wake me up. I'm standing here on Robben Island witnessing Nelson Mandela in front of his former prison cell, post-apartheid, and he's saying that a genocide is taking place of HIV and AIDS that is affecting girls and women. They are at the front line of this epidemic, pandemic. And I thought, the thing that, really hit hit me most strongly was why didn't I know about that why doesn't the world know about that is it that women and girls don't have a voice to talk about this disease and actually I learned subsequently that stigma plays a huge role when it comes to HIV so there's it's it suffers from silence people do not like to just come out and say oh I'm HIV positive it's a very very challenging uh, virus to live with in, in so so many ways in any case that really was the moment in time for me when I said, I, I have to do something. I have to, I have to make a contribution here. And so subsequently, I went on trips to 
uh, various HIV and AIDS projects, courtesy of Comic Relief, and you know how they do. They take you to, in my case, it was to Uganda. And um, I went to see these HIV projects that were affecting women. And, um, and actually, it just those experiences of seeing women living in poverty who had been uh, affected by HIV and AIDS, probably um, um, infected by their partner or their husband, you know, trying to raise a family but being kicked out of the home because they were the ones that were taking respons- given responsibility of this virus, whereas they were the they were actually the victims of their their husbands, you know, and the injustices of the of, the, of these personal life stories, and seeing the disempowerment of these women and girls at every level. And all the little journeys that I took and all the various people that I encountered in their various circumstances is something that is indelibly marked in my my soul, to be frank with you. And as I went on learning more and more about HIV and AIDS and how it was impacting women and girls, yeah, I decided I must do something about that. But as you know, Andrew, everything is interconnected. So poverty impacts uh, everything and it, and poverty impacts uh, the, the lack of everything so you know lack of education access to education primary school education uh, secondary school education college education these are all a means out of poverty and if there is a lack of access um, then simply that cycle of poverty and suffering continues and with girls they are usually at the bottom rung, rung of the ladder of uh, civil rights and human mm-hmm. rights absolutely as as in a research shows poverty leads uh, oftentimes to a cycle of crime addiction etc which coupled with a lack of access to proper education can lead to health issues can lead to uh, exposure to things like hiv and aids etc so it is it is a it is a wider issue than just uh, being poor or just poverty itself it is a it is a it's a whole net of of issues it's a very interesting thing that you know what that people don't realise that HIV and AIDS is one of the biggest causes of mortality in girls of re- and women of reproductive age in Africa, at, at this, in countries in Africa at this moment. It's HIV and AIDS is that killer, is that killer of women and girls of reproductive age. And this is a huge, huge challenge. You know, already girls are faced with uh, disempowerment because of poverty and lack of access, lack of access to safe sex, lack of access to, to because of poverty, perhaps having many sexual partners, unprotected sex, having sugar daddies, um, you know, rape is, a, is another a huge vehicle of, of, of transmission. So, I mean, sex is, uh, um, it's used as, uh, how would I say, uh, an exchange. It's, it's, it's something one can, sex work is, is a way of life for many girls living in poverty. Also, rape is, is just so um, much a practice uh, in certain countries that where men feel that this is an entitlement, where it's not even viewed as something that we would be horrified by. It's actually just, well, it's just normal. It's just a right. It's a right. We, ha- we have the right to rape. This is normal. And so what needs to happen in so many ways is how do you change, first of all, social attitudes towards the devaluation um, and the objectification of women? And how do you change practices where people are so in need to have money that 
you know, unsafe sex is part of an exchange that is, and ironically, it's something that to, maybe to feed your family, but at the end of the day, it's also the way that you're going to contract mm-hmm. HIV. I mean, it's a sex, human behaviour, human values, poverty. It's, it's so, the picture is, the, and the threads of the picture are so utterly complex. The solutions are not straightforward, but there are solutions. And one of the solutions is getting tested. No, if, you know, if, for example, everyone on the planet knew their status, very simply, go into a clinic, get tested, know whether you're HIV positive, And from that, know that, you know, you either engage in safe sex or perhaps you abstain from, you know, sex completely. And then you can quickly get onto treatment, which is life-saving and means that your children won't be left as orphans because, you know, if you're going to die and you have children, unfortunately, and that's another issue with another side, side byproduct of AIDS is um, that millions of young children are obviously exposed to the virus. And, uh, you know, we're not even getting into paediatric AIDS because there's no, there's never really yet been an effective method of tackling uh, paediatric AIDS, children living with, with yeah, the virus. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And something I read about the, the work of The Circle is that uh, it's putting pressure on politicians and lawmakers in places like Tanzania to provide legal protections uh, for, for women in developing countries such as that uh, for things like uh, domestic violence and providing uh, a living wage, etc. Well, you, you've just mentioned The Circle and The Circle is um, an organisation that works to um, support women and empower women living in probably the most... Um, disempowered places in the world and that that could be in parts of Africa it could be in parts of Asia I mean it's it's actually it, we have a global issue with women and women working here are there there are women that are experiencing sexual violence domestic abuse you know and and the circle's a small organization it, it was founded only recently as a as a formal charity about three and a half years ago but actually it was a, it started off informally about a decade ago, and, and it was just from an idea that I had to to try to connect Western women, to engage them, to inspire them, to inform them about what is happening in the sisterhood of women globally, because the disparity between the Western world and what is going on elsewhere is absolutely shocking. I mean, for example, two-thirds of the world's adult illiterate are women. You know, it's just, you know, the, the, the facts are, are so horrendous. One in three women globally have experienced violence in their lifetimes. These kind of facts. So when we talk about feminism, from my perspective, um, I, I look at it as a global issue, not only as a West, an issue that Western women talk about. So I, I, I came up with a term, it's not of my invention, I discovered this term, but I, I've, I, I want to endorse the notion of feminine, the need for feminism and ac- action all around the world. So this terminology of uh, global feminism um, is something that I am advocating for really strongly at the moment. And um, I think there is such a, a need for us to join the dots and, and to be able to view feminism as a global movement and feminism that is inclusive of men. That, that actually says men can be feminist too 
And we need men to have a feminist ethos and to feel comfortable with the term feminism. If we, uh, if we proceed it with the word global, I have a sense that men will be more comfortable with the terminology. To take action on any of the issues we talk about on the show, go to globalcitizen.org slash crypower to get involved. A movement of activists all over the world who are using their collective voice to end extreme poverty by 2030. So one of the ways in which I came to the work of the circle was through a movement online, uh, the hashtag one reason why I'm a global feminist, which you you started. Um, but I saw it. A lot of, I was so thrilled. There was, a, but a lot of the facts that there was a lot of those were, were new to me as well too at, at the time. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I I just basically, you know, I'm just a person. I don't have any real power. But I just was thinking over the summertime, just to give you a little bit of uh, a picture behind. Uh, the the one reason why I'm a global feminist uh, campaign at the moment is I, I I went into a department store and I saw a Superwoman t-shirt with the logo of Superwoman on it and I started looking at this thing and I thought wow Superwoman wouldn't it be amazing if if you wore the T-shirt and superwoman could do all these things and make all these differences to, to women in the world, what would it be? So here is superwoman on a T-shirt. So I wore the T-shirt and, um, and I found all these facts and statistics that are shocking. And they're, they're true. They're all true. And you, they're, they're so extreme that you'd, you'd hardly kind of warrant that in the world this is going on today because they that it's it's almost medieval to be quite frank with you so they're superwoman and they're the facts and so what i thought was i'll write the facts down just on a piece of ordinary drawing paper with a, with a sharpie and just share my here's one reason why i'm a global feminist so what that does that picture there informs people of what's going on in the world and identifies and connects you to that. Mm-hmm. And so if you were, hello listener, if you are at home right now and you have, you want to do something, not just think about it, actually you might have a drawing pad or a piece of paper, write down your own reason why you think you are a global feminist and you, you must put the hashtag one reason why I'm a global feminist. But um, there um have a think about what you might like to say. There are many, many reasons to become a global feminist. Now, I would encourage you, particularly if you are um, uh, a man, you are not our, the, the feminist's enemy. You are actually, in my view, uh, a very strong and poten- strong potential ally. And it's very important in my pers- in view. And, and I know that it's, this is quite a radical thing to say because historically the, the, the feminist movement has kind of being a little bit allergic to men. My my viewpoint is that if if boys and men are not persuaded to understand what the challenges are, then in, in a sense, we will never win over. Men must be persuaded because they are the other half. We must work with men together. And that if, if, if you're going to be feminist, you must must understand that as, as, as well as trying to work to get parity and representation as in 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 company in corporate uh, you know the, that we we have so few CEOs for example in corporate world that are that are women we still have such a desperate need to have more women represented in parliament and governments everywhere around the world apart from these issues we also need to to understand that 
Women and girls are dying of, a- of AIDS at reproductive age. We need to know this. We need to know that violence against women is absolutely a global issue. There are so, so many issues that feminism can address, needs to address. And we must, it's, you know, the me, hashtag me too has been phenomenal. It's, it's created an, am, a, an amazing platform so that the word feminist can come out, can become more strong, can be seen to be proactive and in the streets. We fought very hard to get that word back on track and it is back on track and it's very resonant. Only a few years ago, you couldn't even use the word feminist without people just kind of cringing. Yeah, I was, I was going to say it, it is remarkable. A few years ago, you know, and even you know, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, a lot of a lot of discussions that are taking place in 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 and around the mainstream about just just the experience of of I'm of, I'm sure uh, living in our society, what it's like, what that day to day experience is as a woman. Uh, just wouldn't there was no platform for it. There was it, no or platform. Would, there was no languaging for it. Yeah, or it would have been completely, as you say, vilified, or or you know, um, right. It was. It's. it's Somehow, an incredibly divisive term, but something something you'd said there about about representation in, in Parliament. I think it, again, it was I think one of the facts that I had had come to from I am a global feminist because movement was you know roughly I think it was twenty percent. So even on a global scale of Parliament representation, you're dealing with half of the world's population. That's right. Is represented. We are half the world. That's, why are we not represented? Ex- why are we not representing ourselves and our issues? We've taken that as norm for, for far too long. And, you know, think back about our, our great-grandmothers in the suffragette movement. You know, at the time, they thought women uh, having the vote, what a preposterous idea. Women can't possibly vote. Women can't be lawyers. Women can't be doctors. Women can't be in professional. Uh, they can maybe be teachers. Maybe we can have women teachers, but they can't do anything else. I mean, once that norm is shifted... Well, of course women can do these things. Women can do everything. So then what on earth were we thinking? This is why we have to be so grateful to the suffragette movement because they actually really did sacrifice their lives at the time. I mean, it was a, a huge, huge struggle. Absolutely. absolutely. And I, th- I think definitely for me and particularly for, for men of my generation, it's, it's important to look back and, and see just how, because there are dudes who, and I would speak to them, and would have conversations with them who, uh, again, and this is another reason why having a, a global outlook here is very, very important to see the bigger picture, but would, would regard in the world that they are living in, in their, in their, in their, in their part of the world, point, yeah, yes. that, that there is no difference between men and women. There is no such, yes. there is no need, There's for, no need. For, for, for feminism. But when you, when ah. you look at it, it's, it's quite, it's, ah, it's quite you mean, Are you saying that the... That there are men out there that think it's already that done, that it's, it's all, already it's sorted. Already done, it's it is already not sorted, sorted yes, gentlemen. Yeah. And it's far from. <laughs> and when you, we have a lot of work to there's, do. There's, absolutely. When you um, when you look back to even recent history, so the suffragettes. When you look at how radical a system we're actually moving from to a place where we are saying, look, okay, um, let's 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 try to find let's try to find parity here. Even in, I believe in in my lifetime, there was maybe you know. I think it was early 90s or in some cases in the 80s the the very idea let's say that um 
that that rape is something that can take place within a marriage was 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 right. not on legal mm. statutes. So exactly. we we are moving from a place yeah, yes, that we are. I mean, women were essentially treated as property. You know, I think once you have the di- see, I think nowadays we have a lot of dialogue, and I think the dialoguing is is very important, very very necessary, and that is. And I'm gonna I'm gonna hark back. I'm sorry, I'm gonna push no, this absolutely. push this terminology of global feminism mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. because if you do not have the language if you do not have the terminology you ha- you you no- you don't have anything to describe the issues that are taking place mm-hmm. so if you use that term global feminism it's an umbrella term mm-hmm. and it's inclusive of men and it's inclusive of everything that is happening every color creed mm-hmm. caste it doesn't matter it's all the same it's so in feminism mm-hmm. at the moment, there are many different kind of beliefs and viewpoints and schisms. Mm-hmm. And there are some kind of, there's some sort of infighting about what feminism is, you know, interpreted in this way or that way. Mm-hmm. For me, I think when you have this term, you can say it's all under this umbrella. It all works. It can all do its, its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can look at it as a universal human right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Absolutely. And in a lot of ways, the kind of the approach there isn't a there isn't a one size fits all approach for 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 a discussion that is. As, it doesn't as need to be exactly. I mean, absolutely, life is is complex and subtle, and there are certain approaches that may not fit in certain countries, may not fit definitely, and we don't all have to be in total agreement. But this is a problem for the feminist movement because I think all the schisms and the infighting can create. Uh, divisiveness, and I think that is what has held us back in many in in many ways. So, again, I have to say, pushing the term, I think this is um this inclusiveness allows us to go forward in a unified fashion, acknowledging that we have differences yeah. and we have slightly different beliefs here and there. But by and large, fundamentally, if we can connect ourselves with the facts and with the work that needs to be done um, all around the world in terms of violence, in terms of, you know, disempowerment, lack of health care, lack of sexual and reproductive health care, lack of access to education. These are all the things I've just been saying before. If we, if we can become familiar with what the issues are, then we can, we can know where we have to head and what, what needs to happen, what needs to change. If you find yourself inspired or angry, this podcast isn't just about talking. It's about making change happen. And you can do that right now. You can head to globalcitizen.org slash crypower to take action on these issues. This is Hosier, and you're listening to my Cry Power podcast. We've spoken about a lot of things, a lot of, of kind of really, really difficult facts, a lot of harrowing facts. As well, the, the kind of where that ethos comes from, where you know, hoping for change and, and engaging in action that will change that. The question being, where where can people go to 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 engage engage in that? Yes, it's true. I mean, when you, you, you're right. I mean, what you you can be told about very harrowing statistics and facts, and then you and that's and you be you would be persuaded to do something. And I guess that people, the listeners, are thinking, what you know, like, what can I do? What can I actually do as an individual? And I, and I, th- I think that can be the challenge for for most people, even if they're persuaded. Maybe they don't actually know what to do, and that is why um, an organisation like Global Citizen mm-hmm. is so important. Because once you're made aware that, oh, hang on a minute, if I log onto their website. Maybe they'll tell me of some kind of action that I can take just as an individual living in a town or city 
in in the in United Kingdom or wherever, actually, I can take a small action that will contribute to a larger body of change and maybe even at this tipping point towards transformation, you know. Yeah. I'm sitting on my couch at home. I'm watching this depressing uh, documentary on Netflix. What can I do, isn't it? Yeah. But I think that there are many, many things that individual people can do. I think there are organisations that you can join, you can support. Global Citizen, by by all means, being one of the, uh, the really upcoming, strong movements, new, fresh movements, uh, and very, very resonant and relevant to t- what is going on today, yeah. addressing the issues that are going on today. And I think people feel isolated. I feel that the people we feel, and I include myself in this, that we feel that we're not part of, of a connectedness. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. One thing I was I was going to say in that is that, you know, how much power there really is in, in acting on a decision of of conscience. And that that feeling of, of powerlessness that sometimes we, we all feel is, is to me there's something that very much defines our times and can oftentimes you know stem from uh, this sense of our of our of our conscience and our natural sense of, of justice and conscience being violated by by the shape of, of the world today. There is such power in acting upon your own sense of conscience. I know exactly what you mean. There's a sense of par- of paralysis that comes over you, like, and because the the challenges are so overwhelming. But I do feel that if you can take ownership of just one small piece of it, and you can contribute in your own way, you don't have to be Bill Gates, but you can do your own thing. You know, by jo- the act of joining an organisation like Global Citizen is actually an empowering act all mm-hmm. as and of itself. Very much so, very much. And being being informed and having access to, you know, we talked about, you know, inf- information of understanding, but as you say, being part of that change, as you said yourself, watching the end of apartheid take place. Incredibly yes. powerful. So, I mean, moment. we never thought at the time, we never thought really apartheid could ever be done away with. And I always refer to that because it, because it was such an established, vile system. Um, and not to say that there isn't an economic apartheid still in the country. There's so many problems in South Africa. But nevertheless, nevertheless, apartheid was done away with. And I, hopefully it will never, ever return. And that's another thing, that if we're not careful, these kind of um, very divisive, polarising, racist, bigoted thoughts and viewpoints and perspectives can come right back again. Don't just always assume that because they're done away with that they won't come back mm-hmm. because there's always a chance, you mm-hmm. know. No, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And there's there's echoes of a lot of that in, in many ways today. But yes. what's, what, what is remarkable about, about an achievement like that is is the small actions of... Of, of individuals with conscience, correct, and correct. collectively, collectively, that yes. change is carried over yes. the line. Yes, yes, many. And there's all those lovely analogies of the, you know, one fish, one starfish at a time being saved off the beach, or the ocean being made of of infinite droplets of water. And that is what we are. We are all individual, and yet we are collective at the same time. And we've often lost that sense of connection because we do live in communities that are not really communities, that there is isolation and, you know, big metropolises like London and New York and wherever you have it, people feel alone and feel despairing and feel hopeless and feel that this system is never going to facilitate uh, them or include them. But, you know, you and I having this conversation today is part of the response to that. I mean, I'm, you and I are both 
ordinary citizens at the end of the day, even if our names are well known, we are still just members of the world and our journeys are short because we, we come here, we live and we die and that's it. And, and during your lifetime, you must decide whether you're going to just skate along and, and just pursue your own own selfish interest, perhaps, or or whether you're going to get actually get involved in it with a higher cause, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, that's that's why they call it global citizen, you know, and, and global feminism. I love that. I love yeah, that. It's a great. It really is. So do if anyone listening. Do check out globalcitizen.org if you want to learn more on how you can get involved as well too. And yeah, and you can also you can look up the circle dot uh, ngo. We're we're there. We have a little website, and uh, we're working our our socks off. Absolutely, and, you know, behind the scenes as well. I'd encourage you actually, yeah, check out the circle and the fantastic work they're doing at the moment because it really is incredibly important and remarkable as well too. But. Finally, I just want to say thank you so much for, for coming in and, and, and sitting down. It's such a pleasure. I'm so I'm so delighted to to, to share um, this conversation with you, and I wish you all the very best wherever you go because I know that you're a man of integrity, and I love and I really honour you that you um, are taking this on board that you're connecting with a bigger something bigger than your own. I mean, you must, as an artist, pursue your own interest and development as an artist, but incorporating the bigger picture, I think, is the ultimate thing that any artist can do. And I'm, I'm, I just honour you so much, uh, Andrew, for, for being that person. Thank you. And um, the, the feeling is absolutely mutual. So, um, it's, it's we a, like each other, folks. We, we, we do, get on we well. Do. But it is, it's a pleasure. And it's, <laughs> it's an honour sitting down with you again. Thank you, Annie Lennox, for joining me today. is made in association with Global Citizen, a movement of activists all over the world who are using their collective voice to end extreme poverty by 2030. You can head to globalcitizen.org slash crypower to take action on any of the issues we talk about on this show and earn tickets to gigs all over the world by signing petitions, writing emails, or sending tweets to world leaders. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Crypower podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts right now. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Hosier, and this is Cry Power.